from the backwoods and the swamp waters of the Sunshine State and all across America and the world, this is The Big and Wild Outdoors with your host, Braden Gunn, Jonathan Swindle, and Glenn Kinman. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Big and Wild Outdoors. I always put him on the spot when he's eating. <laughs> Broadcasting live this morning out here at the uh, Countryside Baptist Church, getting ready for the wild game dinner happening on this afternoon from about 3 three to 6 o'clock today. Absolutely free to bring the family out. They're going to have an antique car show out here, classic car show kind of thing going on as well. Lots of room for the kids to run around. Lots of friendly folks will be out here. Have food of all kinds, yes, and it is be, uh, wild game. So yep. just be ready. Don't walk out here thinking you're going to get, uh, you know, filet mignon or anything. You may get some pork loin or just some don't venison. ask. Well, you know, ask after you eat. That's that, what, that's, no, that's the best way ask. to do it. Well, we have. Uh, what is that I just ate? It was delicious. Well, ma'am, that was frog's testicles. Okay, I, I've tried it. I'll never go again. But you know, <laughs> it's one of those things you have to go for. You know, if you got time to, never mind. <laughs> No, but I mean, I've never seen. Anyway, set. there's a. I'm just saying, if you want to think of something, you know, horrific. Oh, you know. But there's all kinds of food out here. I mean, we've we've been out here for a number of years, and I've got to try uh, mountain lion, bear, moose, uh, wild hog, of course, den- venison, uh, elk, uh, beaver. <laughs> I mean, squirrel, rice, crappie, uh, trout. I mean. Everything. I mean, it's all out here. And, of course, you top it off with a really nice strawberry shortcake. And it's all good. And yep. this is before you can get them over there in Plant City. So it's a good time. Boiled peanuts. I mean, there's all kinds of good food out here. Trust me. You'll, you'll walk well, out of here the, full. The fish me- – and don't forget the hush puppies. But hush the, puppies, uh, yeah. The fish menu is going to be as really good this year again. It's, uh, we have uh, the speckled perch. we got uh, trout. We have uh, bass, shellcracker, bluegill, and uh, it's going to be. It's on. Me and Courtney got it all ready yesterday. We're cooking about. We got about nineteen hundred pieces of fish. To Glenn sounds like fry. a five star chef. Yeah, you have uh, the fish is, menu sounds. Is that more than your possession today. limit? Well, it, your possession oh limit. Oh my gosh! <laughs> when you have whatever the same one last year. Yeah, when you have your possession <laughs> limit, but we cut them up in multiple pieces off of each fillet. So hey, I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear nothing. Lawbreaker. Okay. Yeah, yeah. really. Turkey yeah, slayer. I, I shot one with Shoot my bow. With bow. <laughs> but I just look at it this way: you go through all this work. How long did it take you to gather up all that fish? You've been working on this for Since what last months? Year. <laughs> we, uh, months. Seriously, months. We had uh, multiple donations from, uh, like Mr. Sewell here. He. He brought me a, a, a lot of fish, and it was a very, I mean, some really nice shell cra- cracker fillets. And uh, so between him, Dave Smith with the trout, and uh, we got to go do some bass fishing. Uh, we, we, we got a lot. And then, of course, uh, one of the guys here, uh, Donnie Maxwell, his co-worker donated a pile of speckled perch that he caught out of Lake Kissimmee over the course of some, some time. And uh, it's uh, we have got some really good-looking fillets. Well, I know that uh, Mr. Bill said he might come swinging by. He wants to try out your uh, technique, especially with his fryer. So you better do it good. Do it right because you don't know which piece is going to end up in his plate. Well, every year it it, it gets bigger every year. And uh, uh, I do have his fryer that we got here, the Cajun. And uh, that's going to be my next purchase. of Those the things are awesome. The double basket on it. And then one of the guys that comes to church here, 
his brother has a, uh, a restaurant, a warehouse thing with supplier, and uh, they had some old uh, deep fryers come in, and they refurbished them. So we're going to be using them as well. Just commercial to keep up fryers. With, uh, you know what? They're three baskets. All I can tell you, and uh, they got three <laughs> just baskets to keep up. in them. And it, it's uh, it, it. Sometimes we do get behind, uh, but we like to keep the fish hot because that's Man. really the best way to eat them and enjoy them. And uh, so when uh-huh. you come up, you, you're not eating fish that's been fried for 30 minutes sitting in a pan waiting for you to show up i don't care if it says if it specs i don't care maybe i could work out a trade for my fryer for one of their fryers yeah right whatever yeah you got a fryer one thing i need a trailer for yours yeah (laughs) but it it separates what's up the one thing i do know with those fryers is a couple of my cousins have them in their camp in georgia and they will tell you point blank all year long they never have to change degrees just because of the way the heat and everything else goes into them yeah, you just you can open the valve on it and drain all the impurities out, the the crumbs and the batter, and then you just keep your oil fresh and clean it up. But the uh, but they're really nice, and uh, it helps you keep up with the demand. It's going to be a good day. Bring your appetite, bring your friends and family. Come on out and join us. We'll be here three to six, probably a little bit later on because everybody will be breaking down stuff. But like I said, it's a good day. It's a if beautiful you leave day. If you hungry, it's your own fault. Yeah, really. Bring the kids out here and let them try something new, maybe something they've never had before in their entire life. Well, I, and, I, I will uh, say you just hit hit it hard right there, hit a home run. Dave, he's got this recipe rub that he puts on the uh, on, on your deer hams, and he'll, he smokes them for six hours, I guess it is. But after you get them, we take every year when we're up in Illinois, he freezes them, he cooks them up and freezes them, and then takes them out when you go fishing, and he slices them up. So you have your your, your lunch, your lunch meat. And uh, when we come back, we always talk about how good it is. And, of course, you know, it's just you're hearing an earful of, yeah, it was good, whatever. Well, he brought me up 10 roasts last night, still hot, wrapped in full. Well, I had to share them with the guys that was setting up and everything, but – Took it in to share with the ladies that was cutting up all the strawberries, getting ready for the cake mix and all. And uh, Courtney says, eh, I'll try one. I'll have another one. You got any more of that? No, I done gave it all away. <laughs> you don't have no more? Or is Mr. Dave got any of these for tomorrow? Yeah, said, really. No, but I got nine more in the truck. Ah, they're <laughs> so all good to go. But it's, uh, but it's one of the things, people, if you come out, you think about, well, do I want some of that or do I really want to get into hunting or – or even fishing. There you Come go. Come out and you try it. You sample it. it. Doesn't cost you anything, but it's just a little bit of time, and you can make up your mind then. Yeah, that's true. And then next year, uh, with the new rule changes when it comes to deer hunting, you can go out there and fill your own freezer. And which maybe would be a good idea. Maybe we do have a couple of wild turkey breasts that was uh, donated, and uh, but they'll be gone by noon today. Yeah, that, yeah, they're not going to last long. <laughs> it don't open till three. <laughs> yeah, but we're going to eat them for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we sliced up with a little uh, Hellman's on bread, and that's all she wrote. But see, there again, when you, when you don't try something and you just think about it being a game, wild game or whatever, uh, up in Illinois where we hunt, Mr. Raymond that we hunted on his property, he's within his, he was 70-something years old and never ate any grits, never had any wild turkey. And uh, this past two seasons ago when we were up there, uh, we had some turkey and uh, fried it all up in the cheese, and we had cheese grits and everything set up. And he was going through his chemo at the time as well. And he's like, "Guys, I don't have much appetite." But he started eating, and he says, "If I'd have known this turkey was this good, they wouldn't be one left on the farm." Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, that's what they say about Goliath Grouper too. But we can't touch him. Well, but he, uh, but he ate all the cheese grits that they, we had left that, over as well. That's why you can't 
can't fish them because they might just all get eaten that well, way. Well, that's what I was going to say. You know what? All we need is one Goliath group where we donated here. We could feed everybody here. One fish. Yeah, and then it's it would be in, in the possession limit wouldn't even matter, would it? That's right. Just one and you're done. <laughs> as long as you get it cut up. That's right. It's in little pieces. <laughs> yeah. Well, now, speaking DNA of, tested. It's all good. <laughs> speaking of possession limits, uh, the big news, of course, out of, I think for a lot of people out of the commission meeting was what's going to be happening with deer season and uh, the rule changes that are going to be happening then when it comes to what you can kill and what you can keep. And I know that there's a lot of people in this area that are extremely happy about the rule changes. But as uh, you'll see from some of the comments that we have on our Facebook page when I put the story up there with the rule changes, you know, some people, they're not happy with it. You know, they think that now that we have a limit on the amount of deer that we can take out in the state of Florida and a reporting system that somehow or another it's, you know, PETA getting their foot in the front door and, uh, you know, animal rights are going to backdoor us in. Now the camel nose is in the tent kind of thing. And uh, I don't see it that way. I see, uh, I see other states and how successful they are with their reporting system and the way they have it. And uh, their deer are getting healthier and bigger every year. Well, and you see a lot of people are like, well, this is all about, you know, this isn't about game management. This is about, uh, you know, making people happy and building trophy deer and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, you know what? It could be a little bit of that, but you know what? It's not what it used to be, you know, because you used to hear there's not enough hunters killing that many deer. That's why we have to allow them to kill 260 deer a year. Well, it's, there, there's going to be a lot of conversations taking place well, over the hold course over of time. After break. Well, when we come back, are we going to talk quantities or rules? We'll talk all of it when we get out yeah, of here. Let's, we're right. going to talk about it when we get back. We're going to finish this breakfast up during the break. Watch this. It's brought to you by the Big and Wild Outdoors and G5 uh, Feed and Outdoors. And, of course, Brandon Ford. We're all going to be here. We all bring you this. Let's go. Welcome back, everybody. It's Big and Wild Outdoors broadcasting live this morning in foggy, foggy Dover. Yeah. All of a sudden, man, it just came a rolling out like we're in San Francisco somewhere. Look, there's needles in the parking lot. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, We're broadcasting live at the uh, Countryside Baptist Church. We got the wild game dinner happening this afternoon, 3 to 6 p.m. Invite you to come on out. It's absolutely free. All you have to do is just bring yourself on out here. And an appetite, and get ready to eat and relax. It's going to be a beautiful day. Mm-hmm. Bring the kids, turn them loose. There's plenty of room to run around, that's for sure. And uh, seriously, my kids are coming back over here this afternoon, and they're looking forward to the drone fights. I hope they have the drone and the plane fights like they did uh, a year or so ago. That was actually quite entertaining. Dog fights in the sky, and uh, using RC planes, and they kind of try to knock each other out of the sky. It's pretty cool. But uh, we're going to be out here, and we invite you to come by. If you want to swing by, shake hands, say hi, do whatever. We'll be here for a while, and then we got to leave and then come back. Glenn will be here because he's got to be setting up over there under his little tent in the same spot this year underneath the same shade tree. Same location, and the table's just arrived. So uh, There you go. Shade, yeah. tree, shade tree in the corner, baby. He'll be over there uh, frying it up. Those guys that are uh, on the uh, fryers, they need all the shade they can get. They generate quite a bit of heat. But before the break, we were talking about some of the rule changes that happened 
are that are going to be happening here pretty soon when it comes to deer in the state of Florida. A lot of people are happy. A lot of people are a little bit upset about it. But I think after they see the results after four or five years, maybe even a little bit longer, and see the benefits that it'll bring to the state of Florida, I think people will be much happier. Don't you, Bill George? Some, most, I'd say the vast majority of people, yes. Well, I think that I, I seriously believe that in five years, if things go as planned, that uh, you will see less people having to leave the state of Florida to go find good quality bucks in, uh, on management property or even on private land. Because uh, with the new rule changes, five deer uh, for the season, is that correct? Five deer, no more than two of which can be a doe. Now, uh, that's the one that people are kind of having a little bit of what a what a whatever. Let's just do it this way. You're not a doe hunter, you get five bucks. Correct. You get to shoot five bucks for the season. Now, when you say the season, we're talking all the way starting from archery to the end of general gun, correct? Correct. South zone all the way up to the panhandle. So if you kill five in archery, if you kill five in archery, you're done for the year. Correct. So if you kill five during muzzleloader, you're done for the year. With the muzzleloader. Right. <laughs> you kill five with a crossbow, you're done for the year. And you don't get to hunt or you're going to hang up your oh hunting boots before general gun. So the best thing to do is maybe, you know, do two, wait for the weekend, the doe weekend or the doe week, do your doe hunt then, and then proceed to get your three left over or whatever. I, at the I, end. I will tell everybody the same thing. If you're willing to shoot it on the last day, shoot it on the first but the day. Doe, now, hang on. The does are, wasn't that you telling me before, the does are for the first 30 days, and then the, they're, you can shoot. It depends on where you are. Some places have, place have no doe access. Other places, you know, you can shoot does during archery, and if you shoot two does, you're done for does for the – the rest of the season. And that adds to your five deer total. That so adds, you're allowed three more bucks, and so that's it. wait a it. minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, this is, and this is the part that confuses me because, remember, we had our little spat at Fort Myers. Yeah, when and I you was didn't talking. listen then. Well, I, really. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, is the doe, I mean, are does going to be all season long? No. Okay. Does, you still have to take it within a legal period of hunting does. Most archery season in most parts of the state, not down south where the where we have a, a severe shortage of deer. For okay? the time being. And, and there are some places in state lands that you cannot take a doe, even during archery season. So, But if you're in a part that allows it during archery season, you can take a doe. And general gun, you generally either have a doe weekend or... Or something, but then on state lands, a lot of the WMAs, there's no, no doe, doe weekend harvest. Yeah. Okay, so all those does, you still have to take those two within the windows of opportunity you have. But once you once you do it, or if your windows of opportunity run out, you're done. Or you can just get five bucks. Or you can shoot a buck. Yeah, yeah. you can trade your two does in for two bucks. Yeah. So it's it's and, it's five deer see, total still, with two deer. With but two to does. me, that's still the only issue that I have with the whole thing. Really, what issue? Is what, do you have? what issue? If you, you can't get, shoot? if you're going to give me five deer, three bucks and two does, I should be able to shoot those. Four bucks and one doe. Well, but what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is, is well, comparing this is the, it. To, this is the thing. 
You should be. Well, I'm, I understand what he means. Believe I, it or not, correct. What he's saying is that starting in archery to the end of gun season, I should be able to shoot either a buck or doe. Any of those times, I got five tags with, on any of the state yeah. lands. Anything else? Why am I limited to whatever? Let's just make it easy and say, you shoot your two does, you're done. You shoot your three bucks, you're done. Because that's that, that's so, my comment. The, but, the, the conversation me and him had with a guy in Fort Myers, we were talking about this, and the guy's a traditional longbow hunter. That's my issue. Is let's keep this the kiss method. Keep it simple. I yeah, mean, keep if it simple. You, if you want to do a five deer limit. I have no problem with that because I'm just like you guys in the fact that five deer is more than enough for anybody, you know. Well, it depends. It, That's your opinion. But but Come I, on now. <laughs> I, I will say this. They committed to coming back and reevaluating in three years yeah. DMU-based quotas and everything else. Right now, the state doesn't have a whole lot of data on what our harvest is. Exactly. Um, well, the we, thing that, let me let me explain something real quick. Missouri did this same exact thing. They when they when they went to the tag system, this is how they implemented it at first. Does were killed during a certain time of the year in a certain way. You had your bucks that were still available. After they saw all the data, and once they knew where deer were being taken from within the state, then they could move to a tag system that said, "We're allowing you to take six thousand does in Hickory County, three thousand does in Polk County." 2,000 does over in uh, Hillsborough County, and then that way they knew how many doe tags to issue to each one, which you could use during any time during the hunting season. So you tagged your deer, you did your deer, you did your report on the phone, and that way they knew exactly where it was taken and knew what they could issue for the following year for those counties because they knew what was taken out of each county. And and you touched upon it, the reporting system. That's going to start to generate data. And right now, and that's we, what you need first. Right now, we have just what's in the middle of the road data. Yeah. We have the sixteen to sixty-five person yeah. who's given us data. All those seniors that are hunting and all the youth that are hunting, we don't have a clue what's going on with those. We yeah, don't nope. even know how many of them we have. No. So that with the new reporting requirements, everybody who's hunting is going to have to be signed up. Okay, yeah. so we're going to start seeing, hey, we got so many 10 year olds, 11 year olds, 12 year olds. How many deer are they harvesting? You know, which they'll, are, are, which they'll, they already, they'll already have that one. If you're already a licensed holder, yeah. if you're like me or Glenn and you buy a sportsman's gold then they already know your age, they already know who you are. And when we report it and where it was taken, which I am going to assume they ask, you know, what was it that you took? Where did you take it? And, uh, you know, anything else that they may ask about that. But that's the two most important parts that they ask. Was it a button buck? Was it a buck that had more than three on a side or whatever it is? Or if it was a doe? And that's the same way they do it in Missouri. You get to the top of the hill where you got cell phone coverage and you go through the little prompts and boom, 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 and you're done. This is going to be the really cool thing. FWC is going to have an app that you're going to be able to have on your phone. So as long as you've downloaded that app when you had Wi-Fi, cell phone signal, or anything, when you're in the field, you can actually record within that app. Even if you have no cell phone signal, your harvest, any officer that walks up to you, you could present that data to them, and it shows that you recorded it. Right. Okay. And it's going to be one of those it, things that when it gets service, it's when gonna, you get service back, it, it will shoots it right back. to it. Yeah. If you don't have a cell phone. 
there's still going to be a paper log method that you can use. Right, sure. You get caught in the field with a dang deer that isn't paper logged, you in trouble. Somebody's going to have a cell phone in camp. So, I mean, you can say, Dad, let me borrow your cell phone or whatever, and they report their deer. And and one of the options is going to be is even if you don't have a cell phone and somebody else does, you will be able to report your harvest on somebody else's device. Well, just, like, like, you, just like you keep like your like I have my dad's licenses on my FWC app, right? You know, for when I'm with him, just so he's 65 years old, he doesn't have to worry about that. Hey, we get stopped by a game warden. Certain things we got to do for our yeah. edge, exactly. And, and and but I'm saying if if you're a freaky guy like me who doesn't download apps to his phone. There's still going to be a number what? that I could call, right? And, and There'll do be my a report. number you can call. Yeah. Yeah. You would Somebody record it on, on paper it. and call a telephone number yeah. from a burn phone. I don't care. Yeah. Well, <laughs> burn, it all sounds good. Burner. I haven't Burner. heard anything bad yet. A well, you're going to have something that's going to not be appreciative of it. But of course. we got to take a break. Brought to you by G5 Feeding Outdoors. Brandon Ford. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Big and Wild Outdoors. Oh, Broadcasting Lord. live this morning at the uh, Countryside Baptist Church. Bill George, you're going to get stabbed in the thigh. The agitator's uh, in full effect. You made me threaten my fellow man right here at Countryside Baptist Church. So uh, we're going to have a wild game dinner this afternoon from 3 to 6. And we invite you to come on out. It's absolutely free. Bring the family. Bring grandma, grandpa. Uh, bring your cousins. Bring your coworkers. Uh, introduce them into some stuff that maybe you're familiar with that they've never tried before. And, you know. And don't tell them. It's hard to give up that. And, and we got a really good guest speaker coming in this afternoon. He's actually here with us this morning, Mr. Jimmy Houston. Is he going to come no. by uh, later on this afternoon? Or is he <laughs> I like how he said by? that. I thought I heard him say Jimmy Houston. I figured, what? I thought it was Jay Houston. No, it's not that short guy. <laughs> no. uh, but Mr. Houston is uh, going to be here today uh, talking a little bit about uh, fellowship and going out and uh, killing elk. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you've uh, taken an elk. Where did you get it? O- over by Okeechobee? Somewhere around by the Everglades? Where, it was where? right on the Tampa Airport. Oh, by Tampa right Airport. The- <laughs> yeah, Shot all absolutely. the coyotes to get to the elk. I yeah, like it. Yeah, it's good, yeah. good for you. No, no, really. Seriously, you're visiting from... Which lovely state of the union? Uh, we live in Kentucky now, but I spent most of my adult life in Colorado. 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 Which, which you part of say Colorado? Which part? Yeah, which part of Colorado are you from? Colorado Springs. Colorado Springs, down south of Denver it's area, on the front down range, there. Yeah. out there on that scrubby, dusty, cold, deserty, hot desert area down there. You there. Go. That's beautiful country down there. We're we're used to it. We used to go up to Casper and trudge around in the sage, shooting the prairie dogs all day. There you go. Uh, yeah, that's all they allowed us to, uh, to shoot was the prairie dogs. All the, all the other big game was off limits. Yeah, those mule deer <laughs> hiding up there in the Medicine Bow Mountains, they know to stay way the hell away from us. Yeah. It's too much temptation for two Florida boys down up there. So, I mean, it's like – but now what brings you down here? What are you going to do down here today? Uh, <clears throat> a good friend of mine, a mutual friend, uh, a guy by the name of Bill Glisson, uh, a longtime friend of mine, uh, called me up about a month ago and said, hey, there's this thing going on at Countryside Baptist Church. And uh, I guess he and uh, David Smith are connected in some way. Right. And he said that he had recommended me as the guest speaker for this event uh, today to David, and uh, which I think is just awesome. I, I'm not sure why he did that, but anyhow. <laughs> uh, well, Bill said he might come by today. Yeah, so if, if he doesn't, he's, I'm going to give him some serious heat. 
Well, I know where he lives. Well, and he's right. Not, <laughs> he's not too far up the street, up at G five. Yeah, so he can yeah. Drag he wants down. me to see his new building. So. Oh, you haven't seen it yet? No. Well, no. You just got. It. You just came in last night from Kentucky, so Yeah, I got in at like eleven last night. Drove, flew, flew. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Not bad. Not now bad. Uh, you're speaking about what today? Uh, we're going to tell a few stories, and 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 that's actually the point. Uh, and the point being that each of us have a story to tell. Got too many to tell. Yeah, and 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 the reality is, is that uh, I want to encourage people to tell their stories, and I'm going to tell a few stories uh, that that kind of wrap into my faith. Uh, but the, but the real value, at least I believe, that that an individual's story, because of its ability to relate, um, uh, the, the other people see themselves in their story. Um, it, I think it has more more power, more potential to impact lives than probably the greatest sermon ever preached. Oh, that's true. Uh, you know, if you can involve somebody in in your own story uh, that touches their lives, uh, I think that's probably one of the reasons why uh, uh, Life from a Deer Stand is one of my favorite books on the planet. Uh, you know, uh, but yeah, because I mean, it just. Uh, I've been there. I've done there. I've yeah. had those same thoughts. You know, sitting yeah. there in that tree. I, I think that's one of the things that. A lot of people in this world, sadly, will never get to experience is when you're sitting up there in the majesty of God's creation up in a tree somewhere, and you get that, what I like to call that donserly time between night and day, where there's literally Stuff the, night, the night animals go to sleep, and the day animals haven't woke up yet, and there's this weird silence around the world that there's no bugs, there's no sound, it's just... You'll never hear nothing quieter right. when you're out there. And then all of a sudden you only get about maybe 10 or 15 minutes of that. And then once the sun kind of peaks up to a certain level, then then the squirrel comes walking out or the raccoon's heading back or something starts stirring. But you have that moment in a tree stand that's just absolute calm. Yeah. And you could just sit there and go, wow, this yeah. is so awesome. You know, I mean... And then it, then the world wakes up, and then you're like, okay, I'm here for a reason, and you start trying to kill Bambi. So, you know, it's uh, I think that those books really speak a lot, or that book especially, to a lot of hunters in that way because of the story, the way it's told, they've been in the same situation themselves. Maybe not thought the same things that he did, but yeah. something similar to that. Steve and I met a number of years ago when I was living in Colorado Springs, and we were having lunch, he and Annie and I. And uh, we started one thing led to another in the conversation, and and he's actually the individual that uh, encouraged me to write the first book I ever wrote. And uh, I told him, I said, I don't know how to write a book. And he said, uh, uh, he said, Jay, you don't need to know how to write a book. You know how to tell stories. I'll just take your story, and put it on paper. That's a short version, uh, but that was seven books ago. Yeah, I thought I'd get out of this. See what you did writing this one little book. So, so Steve, if you hear this, buddy. Yeah, it got contagious on you. That's right. You now, know what you did. Yeah, it's your own fault. Now, I got to ask you, Glenn says you uh, went out and did some elk hunting. Did you get an elk this year or did uh, you Last go? year. I got an elk last in 2017. I, uh, I've, I've killed a number of elk out west, uh, but, uh, you know, we you may or may not know, folks out there in the audience, that, that in Kentucky we actually have about 12,000 head of elk. Oh, trust me. Up. Our listeners know we've been following the progress since the day they released them. Yeah, well. Nine years ago, I started putting in for one of those tags, kind of like maybe, maybe not, you know. Kind of like what we do for our gator hunting. Yeah. yeah just put in. <laughs> no, 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 no. These are way worse than the gators yeah. ever thought about being. And, uh, and so uh, in 2017, uh, 
I was I, I got a letter in the mail and said, "Hey, you drew a tag," and I mean, I, I was like a little kid. I and bet. so I, I drew a, a bull archery tag. Uh, you can you can get bull archery, cow archery, bull rifle, cow cow rifle. And I drew a bull archery tag. Uh, and as it turns out, uh, uh, I mean, I was a bow hunter all my life, and then I had a couple of shoulder surgeries. And after that, I, I mean, I could still shoot, but I really wasn't as confident in my shooting anymore. Uh, and so I put the bow down for a while, and, and, and Rand jokes. She says, you know, when you want to go hunting, you take your bow, and you want to kill something, you take your rifle. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and so, I, but I missed it. And uh, I like that up close and personal, you know, thing. And so uh, somebody said, brought up the subject of a crossbow. So I worked a deal and ended up getting a crossbow from uh, folks down here in Florida, in Tarpon Springs from Barnett. And, uh, and uh, so I killed this, uh, probably a 300 class, low 300 class bull on uh, September the 12th of 2017 in, uh, in far eastern, southeastern Kentucky. Uh, I don't know if you want to hear that story or not. If you have no, but I, I, I will ask, do you, do you think that they aged it? Was it one of the original release uh, elk or was it a prodigy of the release I'm sure it was release a prodigy elk? because those elk had been out there for years, and this bull is probably four years old. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, we, didn't, we didn't age it, but I've looked at enough bulls, and you can look at their teeth and yeah. kind of figure out how they are. I think this bull is about four years old. But, 300 class, they're growing them but, pretty quick up there yeah, in Kentucky. Yeah. And that was in two two years ago, so you probably still have a little bit left in the freezer. Yeah, we do. Did Not bring as it much as here? I would like to have left. In the freezer. <laughs> <laughs> My wife's pretty generous with that to our friends. You it, know? It's yeah. amazing how that happens. Isn't if he would, that's why he flew down, so he didn't have room to bring it. You, so that was you have that problem. <laughs> you, you have that problem that I have too. When you go out west and you kill something and you come back, it's like all of a sudden brother-in-laws, cousins, and all those people are, hey, can I borrow a pack of this? Can I get a pack of that? And all of a sudden you go out there and look and your mule deer sausage that you had a whole shelf of, you're down to three packs. It's like like buying a boat or a pool or something. All of a sudden you have friends. Friends everywhere. Yeah. 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 Geneva, New York. That's right. Remember having. There you go. Well, I love the fact that what good thing about Jonathan is that he gets to go every year. So, he gives away the cruddy stuff, and then, <laughs> yeah. then at the end of the year, he's got to make room for his freezer, so he's calling also going, bring the kids over, man, I'm going to be cooking elk, I'm going to be cooking mule deer, I'm going to be cooking it. i got to make room in the freezer. So, yeah, you ever heard somebody complain about coming over to somebody's house and getting a free meal? No. Especially no, when no. it's wild game? No. 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 And, and there's a pool involved as well. Sure. Yeah, so it's all sure. good. Absolutely. It's all good. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I, we, I haven't had the opportunity to go kill an elk, but I've eaten lots of it thanks to the generosity of other people who don't have room in their freezers. But uh, that's one of those things that we'd like to be able to do. But that whole tag system that they have out west is so convoluted when it comes to uh, a regular guy trying to, like you did, have to put in for, what, nine years before you finally got an elk tag. And the sad part is I could call up my buddy uh, Kelly Glouse out there, who's a guide, who pulls tags, and you just go with him and go shoot one. Or Show go with Bill go the process, Or yeah. with Bill Glisson. Uh, it's a tough situation, but yeah. we'll talk more when we come back okay. from break. we got to take a quick fast when you guys don't go anywhere. We are the Big and Wild Outdoors. Broadcasting live from Countryside Baptist Church in Dover. Got the Wild Game Dinner coming on this afternoon from 3 to 6. We're brought to you by G5 Feeding Outdoors. And, of course, Brandon Ford. Stay here.
Welcome, welcome back. back. Go ahead, Brady. Why is the echo back now? Oh, it's know. gone now. Uh, welcome back, everybody. It's Big and Wild Outdoors brought to you by uh, G5 Feeding Outdoors and Brandon Ford. We're broadcasting live out here at Countryside Baptist Church. Got the Wild Game Dinner Cup this afternoon. And of course, Mr. Houston came down here today. He's going to do a little jabbering in the back after he gets his belly full, I'm sure. And uh, then he'll be wandering around probably with uh, uh, some sweet tea in one hand and a strawberry shortcake in the other. Am I, am I right in assuming that? Dead on. Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's one of the good things about this Wild Game Dinner is you can get a little fellowship out here while you're out here if you want to. You don't have to if you don't want to. But we invite you to come on out and enjoy a beautiful day and bring the kids. It's going to be a lot of great activities. Mr. Houston will be back there doing some stuff. You got turkey callers coming in the, today or not? Uh, well, Chris Graham and his son, they'll be here. But I don't know that for anything other than to probably eat some of the turkey that yeah, uh, we do have frying up in the back. Guarantee they got calls <laughs> in the truck. Guarantee they got calls. They don't leave home without it. No, they don't. And, uh, and Mr. Houston, you're going to be doing your – is there times when you're going to do this or is it just going to be uh, random? I, you... I think it's a one-time deal. I think it's from – I think I speak at four. Yeah. From like from four to five or right. however long it goes. Yeah. You know, I don't – you can't use – if you, you go much more than an hour and you put people to sleep, I don't, <laughs> care, I don't care what you're talking Unless you start singing. You Le- sing? Well, unless you're you guys. Yeah, you know, right. Yeah. Well, they already crashed. They went to sleep at the wheel. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to do any songs, are you? you no. Sing and dance? Oh, no, no. That I'm, that would defeat the purpose. Song and dance, man? <laughs> yeah, people would leave. The but, idea is to get them to come in. But what? just for the break, though, we were talking about the Kentucky uh, elk hunts and uh-huh. that, how you got yours in 2017. And after talking to you this past week, uh, I've heard about the Kentucky State having uh, the elk hunts and stuff, and the population was on the increase, and opportunities were a little bit easier and when I say easier, but talking to the game and fish up there uh, yesterday, Chase, Officer Chase, he was uh, Warden Chase, he was telling me that they, they have a little over, he said his early estimates are going about 60,000 applications each year. Yeah. Wow. Uh, for the state of Kentucky to do their elk hunts. And right. out of those 60,000, 10% are earmarked for like out of state hunter opportunities. So. Uh, off the air, I asked how many they were going to issue out, or roughly how many they, they issue each year, and you say those numbers are around 700. That's correct. So I got an opportunity of, out of 60,000, I'd say 10,000 are out-of-state applications, and out of those 10,000, uh, with 70, like I, 70 possibilities, my odds don't look too good, but I knew my odds would be zero if I didn't yeah. take the time to go online and fill it out. So I did manage to get my opportunities in place for the bull elk firearm draw and the cow elk as well as the either sex archery there you go so i'm in well like this is I the told first Nick. year they've had that either sex archery this this come, upcoming season it's always been one or the other so this year it's, i think that's pretty good that you, Ooh, you might you might have better like, odds yeah. yeah like i told nick if you draw that tag the moment you receive it in the mailbox get in your truck Go down the road to the gas station and buy a lottery or quick pick ticket. <laughs> yeah, that's probably that's not a bad day. idea. <laughs> that's your day. Yeah. You're on a roll. If nothing else, I'm now an official customer of the state of Kentucky. I got my own little ID number now, so yeah. anytime I need something in Kentucky, I just use my customer ID. Yep. We well, appreciate you contributing to I the know, revenue, I, revenue base. You're going to need that number because you're going to have to buy an out-of-state license to be able to go up there and do that. <laughs> and, but I will say that out-of-state elk hunt license, if I was drawn, uh, is a hundred dollars cheaper than my deer 
uh, license I've purchased for Illinois. Really? It's so that much cheaper? It's $400 for an out-of-state elk hunt. Really? License. That's not bad. No. You know, if you go out west, that same non-resident tag, like in Colorado, that same non-resident tag costs you $671. And airfare. Yeah, plus and airfare. Processing. Yeah, and I'm going to drive up back. some of them uh, long distance. Uh, the family that uh, lives in Kentucky, I'll just knock on the door and say, they'll say, who are you? I'll say, yeah, I'm a I'm your third cousin from Aunt <laughs> yeah. such and such. All right, we got cousin. extra rooms. You give me a call. We'll put you up. <laughs> it's your cousin Glenn from Florida. Jay's going to put me up for half your elk. Uh, yeah, really. Room and board. Yeah. That egg sandwich. There's a Best Western down the road. <laughs> Motel 6, whatever. You got to do what you got to do. Well, that's good that you put in for it. Now, are you gonna if you don't get drawn, are you going to keep at it? And uh, maybe nine years from now, you'll be able to get to go? I figured this uh, $30 investment, uh, if that was 10 years, you know, it's 300 bucks. It'd be all right. It'd be all right. 300 bucks For an opportunity to give them. But hopefully the license will still be around 400 But in 10 years, it might be six or $800 <sighs> for an out-of-state. But maybe by then, I'll just move there. 10 years, they might be If I be get drawn, I'm moving for just... residency. Oh, there you go. Get the residence tag. <laughs> I guess you could do that if you own a certain amount of land like you can in Missouri. I, I don't know how that works, but I know – you got to be like most places six months residency prior to, so that rules me out. But I know Ju was talking about how you uh, you got your elk and uh, it was during the archery hunt, and uh, you wanted to share that with us. But what sure. what was that about? Um, a good friend of mine, his name's Bill Carmen, who by the way is I guess this is going to sound like a PR event for Bill, but he's one of the best elk guides in the state. So if you do that, draw that tag. Let me hook you up with Bill. Um, he's a former uh, regional director for the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and. Uh, anyhow, Bill and I were out hunting, and, and, and when I drew this tag, we knew it was going to be in the middle of, in early September, and uh, we started looking at the temperature, and I thought, it's going to be 90 degrees. Mm-hmm. And I started looking at all my gear, and I said, I don't own anything that works for hunting in 90 degrees for elk hunting. <laughs> so I actually had to get on the phone and talk to some of my buddies uh, at Cryptic uh, Camo, and they kind of helped me out. But we went out there on that first day on, on uh, opening day, and and walked 10 miles in 90-degree heat. And at the end of the day, I said, Bill. This ain't going to work. This, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> we we need to my, come up with another. boxers. Yeah, because you're hiking up and down with this old reclaimed coal, coal land. Oh, Lord, yes. Yeah, and uh, and it's just a lot of walking. And, and it's a lot of uh, Elk hunting is a lot of walking, so I'm not complaining about that. But the heat was what was so – took some getting used to, and I didn't get used to it. Uh, so at the end of the day, I said, let's do something different. So he says, I got a plan. And the next morning we got up and, uh, went out at no dark 30 and pulled into this little two track, uh, into a, uh, into the, this cut that ended in a valley and it was actually covered in kudzu. You know what kudzu is? Right. Oh yeah. I'll have that stuff down here. No, we try to keep it out of here. Yeah, there you go. Spray it. You know, <laughs> 10 feet a day or something like that. I don't know. But, uh, so we walked into this kudzu and, and Bill's in front of me and, 10 feet in front of me and, and and we hadn't gone an eighth of a mile into this little cut and i looked up on the hill on the right side and there's three cow elk standing up there on the hill and i'm going bill 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 stop 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 and finally i get his attention he looks at me and i went and i'm pointing up the hill and so we back out and uh and i go and set up in this kudzu that's like up to my chest and uh and bill goes back behind me and he starts cow calling and uh and we had not, he had not been cow calling. Keep in mind, too, that I'm hunting with a crossbow. And, and, and uh, 
for two or three minutes, and, and this bull comes running out of the end of this cut. He's maybe like 800 yards away at this point. And he is mad, and he is blowing snot, and he's just having a fit. Uh, and Because uh, by then, Bill had switched over to doing some bugles, and that, the idea there is he's like another bull that just showed up in this guy's mm-hmm. backyard, and he's not having any of it. Remember our turkey conversation we had earlier? <laughs> yeah, and, and so he comes in, and, and I've already ranged two spots on this little two-track, and you know one was at 45 yards and the other one was at 60 yards, and I felt comfortable at 45, and I thought 60, that's going to be a long poke. But anyhow, he hangs up at like 75 yards. And in, in, in all honesty, I've never seen nor ever heard of in 25 years of elk hunting of of anybody that could hold a bull as long as bill did mm-hmm. but bill held that bull bull out there for 20 minutes mm-hmm. and normally you know if they don't see something that they like or it, it they just blow out of there they just turn around and run back and i'm waiting for him to leave any moment and he doesn't he just keeps he's curious and uh, uh he's but he's at 70 yards and and finally he comes in and he stands on that 60 yard spot and this is going to get to be embarrassing here in a second but anyhow, he won't move. And, and so it, it, we're like at minute 15, and I'm thinking he's going to leave any second. So I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a, take, a take a poke at this guy. And, uh, and I missed him. And I didn't see whether I missed him high or low, uh, but I missed him. But he just stood there. He just stood there. And uh, you want me to hold off on this until after your break? or We got one minute. You better okay. make it fast. Okay. So, anyhow, he's just stood there, and, and I managed to reload a crossbow without being seen uh, in behind that kudzu and put it back up, and he walks up to 45 yards, and I drilled him. And and he jumps up in the kudzu not not 20 feet off the two-track, which, you know, you shoot an elk, you're expected to haul this thing for miles. Yes. Mm-hmm. We got within 20 feet of him. That's awesome. You know. That way he could pull the truck right up there. <laughs> yeah, and well, and well, all just the yeah, yeah. yeah. The only thing he could have done better is just jump in the truck. That yeah. would have been nice. Man, yeah. you know what? That's uh, when you have that second shot. Yeah. That's whenever you really know that, uh, man, the Lord was on your side. Gave oh, you that God. second opportunity. God, was, God was there. That's no right. question about it. Well, we got to take a top of the hour break. This is the Big and Wild Outdoors, broadcasting live this morning here at Countryside Baptist Church. Getting ready for our big wild game cookout. Come on by and see us about 3 to 6. Brought to you by G5 Feeding Outdoors and Brandon Ford. We'll be right back. 